Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the game Euro 22. Today, England make a statement with an 8-0 demolition of Norway. Is attack the best form of defence for Serena Wiegmann's side? Also, what can Northern Ireland learn following back-to-back defeats? Sweden and the Netherlands show their no falls and France united after big opening win. This is the game. Hello again, welcome to the Game Podcast. I am Hugh Wizencroft alongside Molly Hudson from the Times, Gregor Robertson too, and the former England captain, Casey Stoney. And everyone's smiling, everyone's delighted. Of course they are. Where else can we begin? England producing an incredible performance, beating Norway by a huge 8-0 scoreline. I'm sure you all watched it. I mean, it was jaw-dropping, wasn't it? They progressed to the knockout stages uh, of the women's Euros as group winners, and it's the Lionesses' biggest win at a major tournament as well. I mean, everything went right, didn't it? Straight from the off in Brighton. We won't even mention the penalty decision. Who needs to? There were seven goals after that. It's irrelevant. Okay, Beth Mead with a hat-trick too. And really, I think for everyone, this was England sending a huge message to the other teams in the tournament, not just about their talent, but how tricky it's going to be to face them on home soil as well. Before we get to the details of the match with Casey, as we do, Molly, you were inside the ground. What was it like experiencing an incredible win and what must have been a a special atmosphere as well? I think my sort of memory of the evening is that um, me and Gregor were were sat next to each other in the press box. And I think, I don't know if it was the third goal or the fourth goal, you know, they they were coming pretty thick and fast. And it went in the net and me and Gregor just like looked at each other and had these matching expressions of like hand over face and just like shock at what on earth was going on. I think, you know, I'd written and, you know, I hadn't got it monumentally wrong, I promise. A lot of people had been writing that this was supposed to be England's, you know, biggest test of this group. And just to, to watch what happened was just incredible. You know, Norway were terrible defensively. I think that's pretty fair to say. But England were just so ruthless. And I think there's nothing that could have made Wiegmann happier than England being ruthless because it's all she ever talks about in all the press conferences. We need to be more ruthless. You know, even when we've been playing North Macedonia and Latvia and, you know, we made Norway, the 11th team ranked team in the world, look like a North Macedonia or a Latvia. And that's a credit to the the ruthlessness of, of the forward play. Yeah, I think she even managed to crack a smile at one point, either that or it was a Murray Mint. <laughs> what do you think, Greg? Are you were there? Molly's talking about your reaction to it. Was it was it similar? Yeah, I mean, I, I loved every single bit of, of the whole experience, to be honest. It, that's my first England women's international game. And it was the energy... The excitement, the build-up, everything about it was fantastic, and and the performance just blew everyone away. It was a kind of, you know, even even at the end, actually, even when they were doing the lap of honour and and the, you know, the lapping up the adoration of the crowd, 
I still there's still a kind of feeling of like did this really happen? <laughs> People weren't quite able to process how England won eight nil against Norway, um, a team with one of the best front threes in in the competition and in Europe. So it was it was brilliant, and we wanted lift off for England. The first game was a bit cagey. We wanted a real lift off moment, and we got it. But that also now brings great expectation and it'll be really fascinating to see how England cope with that going forward now. You're right, though. It was liftoff, Casey. What, what was your reaction? Is this the, the result and the performance that England needed to really, as we mentioned before, you know, engage those fans that might not watch the Lionesses on a regular basis? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was a culmination of everything coming together at one point. You talk about the, the qualifying and Serena saying they need to be more ruthless. Now that all came together last night. I think, if I'm honest... I think the first two goals were absolute gifts um, in terms of the penalty and the turnover, but we still got to finish those chances. I think the minute England went 2-0 up, you could just see them grow. The pressure came off. Everybody started to express themselves. Everybody wanted to get on the ball and they were so clinical and they were relentless. I was really, if I'm honest, shocked at how poor Norway were defensively, but as poor as Norway were, England were good, you know, and I thought Beth Mead was inspired. I thought the fact that we scored different types of goals was really positive. Uh, The fact that it was different goal scorers as well. And they just took Norway apart. And I was surprised Norway didn't get more pressure on the ball earlier to kind of stop England's rhythm. But yeah, if I was Serena, I'd be sitting there very, very happy. Um, it does put a massive target on their back now, but I think they'll be relishing that. Like pressure is a privilege, you know, and I think those England players will be going out there. You know, they've got obviously probably arguably this supposedly their easiest group game next where potentially they could rest a few players for those knockout stages. Casey, let's call it your distinctive brand of realism there. I was on cloud nine until you mentioned some of those negatives, particularly when it comes to Norway's performance. Can we just park that to one side? Okay. England won 8-0. I want purely positives at this point. So what <laughs> what pleased you most? Yeah, I think the way they dictated the game. The fact that they they got you think about the second goal, great pressure and compactness from Beth Mead to get pressure on Torres Dotti, Ellen Tate it finishes it well I thought Kira Walsh I can't understate how important she is to this team and the way she dictates the game with and without the ball you know she's a director in there I thought she was outstanding I thought Stanway's awareness of where to pick up spaces the clever play around the corner for Frank Kirby to get in Beth Mead was unplayable I thought in terms of the 18 yard we were so clinical and it was a a tough night for Norway a really tough night but I thought from start to finish England just had such a spring in their step they'd released the pressure valve and they were they were so good you know first five six minutes I was like oh this could be a bit cagey and then as soon as England started to get rhythm you could see this this could be a really interesting I actually got to half time and I was like what on earth is going on like you it's just one of those moments you can't wrap your head around like I'm also thinking as a coach what am I saying if I'm the Norway head coach at half time how am I getting this team back out into the second half to to try and play again and if I'm Serena how do I keep that relentless nature and make sure that we also manage ourselves through the second half. But what a performance, what an atmosphere. Like they've definitely put a, a marker down in this tournament. You know, I was really impressed with France the other day as well. So I think England have done that now. I think 
if I'm in that dressing room and I'm in that camp now, it's just about keeping them in a space where they're confident but not complacent. And Serena seems to be unbelievable at doing that. Molly, what did you think about the performance then? And once again, keep it as positive as you can because we're going to come to Norway in a bit and I think the tone's going to change, all right? So like I say, keep me on cloud nine, please. <laughs> Do you know what? I think actually considering we've spent a fair bit of time talking about England's defence, they were actually fantastic. And I think what was so impressive and, you know, we were saying to Gregor last night is not only were England so good going forward, it wasn't an 8-0 game where Norway had chances. I think I think I'm right in saying they had one shot, maybe, one shot on target. And to, to see that front three who are genuinely absolutely outstanding players, you know, on paper they're probably better than the England front three. And they just didn't get a sniff. And I think, as Casey said, that's a credit to Kira Walsh, who had another fantastic game in midfield. And, and we said um, on the preview podcast how important her form would be to, to how England get on in this tournament. And she's been fantastic so far. And I just think that will have given those defenders so much confidence to keep a clean sheet against, you know, Ada Hegerberg, Caroline Graham Hansen, Guru Wright, and just, you know, that in a way... And I don't want to be, you know, a little bit negative about uh, bloody hell, we scored eight goals. That's amazing. But in a way, that's that's almost more impressive. We've, we've kept a clean sheet against that front three. I wrote in my, in my piece today that, as strange as it sounds, it was almost the front three and Kirby and Stanway backing them up. That full, full kind of ferocious press is almost what nullified Norway's front three because... Their pressing was just relentless, relentless, relentless. There was a big question mark before the game. How, how, are, they, how are England going to keep this front three quiet? And the answer really was defending from the front. I think Serena Wiegmann said afterwards, like, we just didn't let them get the ball near our goal. And that, you know, <laughs> no matter how good a striker you've got, if the ball's not coming near, near them, then they're, they're, they're no use. So I also think that from watching that game, the, the dynamic in midfield that's been touched on is just perfect. It's just, you've got Stanway, who's a real box-to-box kind of all-action player. She, she makes telling contributions at both ends of the pitch. As, as, as uh, the, the, the guys have said, the, the Kira Walsh is kind of both an orchestrator and she takes up really intelligent positions to kind of close off passing lanes and, and walk up to the front three. I just think the balance and the dynamic of that is, is absolutely perfect. It covers everything and, and it makes England so hard to play against. And, the, the, you know, the question marks, again, some people before the game were saying, would Leah Williamson step into midfield? Just having two players in Kirby and Stanway who really push up the pitch, both when they're pressing and with the ball, it just kind of pin Norway in. I just think it, it makes England such a difficult proposition. Is that how you saw things, Casey, in terms of that front three plus two? Yeah, absolutely. It was very much a, a stop it at source. You know, if we if we can press higher up and we keep them, you know, under pressure, their front three don't get service. You know, and when they did get service, I thought, you know, fullbacks defended very well 1v1. Um, and it meant that Norway couldn't get any rhythm. They couldn't get into their midfield areas. They couldn't service their front three. And and I thought England were relentless with that. I thought their pressing triggers were great. Their compactness from the front to the back and distances allowed them to be able to do that. And they recognised triggers and, and won the and the second goal was an example of that. 
you know, Beth Mee comes really compact, gets the first pressure on Ellen, Ellen wins it and then they get in behind and they score. And I thought they also dictated the tempo and the possession really well. So if you've got the ball, the opposition can't hurt you. So yeah, I thought it was tactically a very, very good performance. I thought our work rate and effort and energy, I think they fed off the crowd massively because you could hear the crowd really getting behind them in their pressing moments. And yeah, it was, it was I think that balance in midfield is key. And I think... Georgia Stanway showing such a maturity in her game and performances in terms of, you know, she's not giving away as many fouls now, which is really important in tournament football. She's picking up good spaces when when we've got the ball and she's obviously nullifying the opposition and, and pressing really well and that box-to-box element. And I think Kira Walsh is honestly, her game intelligence and the way, even when you can see her, she's dictating where the ball's going, even when she's not on it, because she knows she's going to get it in the next phase. She's just saying, you play around there and I'll get it and then I can dictate and we can switch play and I thought they switched the play really well. I thought the tempo of their passing was really good and Norway just couldn't cope. They couldn't cope. And when you've got a player like Beth Mead was on fire last night and you're the left back, you want the whistle to go because she was relentless with and without the ball. Let's talk about Beth Mead uh, and we'll come on to Ellen White as well. Casey, just in terms of the impact of Beth Mead, obviously she scored a, a hat-trick as well. You know, lots of the conversation has been around her exclusion from the last major tournament with England and how that may have affected her negatively people calling this kind of a bounce back tournament for her. I heard the comment, you know, don't make her angry during the commentary last night, but actually she seems to be really happy and and probably the most free player in an England shirt that we've seen so far. There doesn't seem to have been any change. Maybe that's because she's been on on quite brilliant form. I think it's what, 17 and 15 now for England. I mean, that's quite incredible. What do you think it is that's just clicking for her at the moment specifically? I think it's confidence. You know, she's scoring goals. She comes off the back of a good season. Yeah, there's probably an element of she had a point to prove. Obviously, I went to the Men's Euro final and and sat with her um, there and spoke about her exclusion in, in, in the previous tournament. Now, Beth's a player that when she's got rhythm, she's got confidence, she's on form, she causes you problems. I think the thing is with Beth, if you're a, a fullback, she can go inside and outside, she can come short and she can go behind and she can score with her head. So she can cause you lots of different problems. I think she's confident. I think she's playing free. She's enjoying the the experience. We just need to keep her there. Keep giving her the ball, keep allowing her to go 1v1, allowing her to get in and around the box because... Beth is a risk taker, you know, and you want that in your front three. And while she's scoring goals and she's confident, she's going to stay there. So I think it is a confidence thing. I think she's on fire. I think she's brought her form from from Arsenal. I think playing in a wide area really helps her isolate fullbacks and, and create problems. So, yeah, I'm I'm massively impressed with her in this tournament. And, you know, I saw her celebrations post-match and you need to keep her happy, keep her smiling, keep her healthy because she's going to be... If we win this thing, she's going to contribute for sure. There's so many ways that she can pose a threat as well. There's so many clever little one-twos in behind the fullback who had an ordeal. Blackstat. <laughs> it was like it was torturous to watch. <laughs> so, I don't know why they why they didn't change something. I, I know it all kind of snowballed quickly, but it, it, the fact that it took till half time to change something was mind-boggling. She can beat a player. She can do the little clever one-twos around the box, and sometimes as well, she could just put an early cross. She put in one absolutely wicked cross 
to the to the back post that no one really quite even saw coming. So yeah, she's been you know outstanding for him so far. I think Ellen White's going to make that back post run a little bit more often because yeah. the the quality of delivery through that cor- corridor of uncertainty, if you like, you know, time and time again from Beth Mead actually was. You know, it was one for me. It was one of the best parts of her performance, but she didn't. You know, she didn't get the assist because the, you know there just wasn't that extra touch at the back post, Gaza like in '96, if you like. But there were so many occasions where we almost got there. You, you sort of thought they're all awakening to this. Her, her delivery was so good. If she keeps it up, you know that run will be made more often, and more players will be getting goals at the back stick. Another player, like I said, who, who kind of missed out on on those, but did score in the game, Ellen White, was a debatable starter for some people, which is quite interesting. She, she led from the front, sort of literally and figuratively as well. What did you make of her performance, Casey? Because we speak about Beth Mead and how important she can be. That triggering of the press from Ellen White was so important too. Yeah, well, what do I know? I was one of those that was saying maybe Alessia needs to I didn't to want to say it. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> what do I know? That's why Serena's the head coach. So, yeah, I think when you're playing a high-pressing game, you know you're going to, like... Ellen's a 10 out of 10 when it comes to pressing like her energy ability she sacrifices herself a lot for the team she's you know she'll put tackles in she's as a centre back an absolute nightmare to play against because she's not giving you a second you think you can get your head up and you can pick a pass the next thing she's sliding in and taking the ball off you and it just sets the tempo you know it's massive in terms of teams that want to press from the front and, and, and she starts that and she's the trigger and then everybody else goes off that and she does that relentlessly and she gets her rewards and you know when she's in the box she's going to score you know she's so clinical in those moments but it's the part about the the work ethic to set the tempo to press and you know she really did that and that's why she's playing and she's getting her rewards and and I think she'll continue to play she's an experienced head she's obviously still clearly got the the work ethic and the legs to be able to do that so um, Serena's relying on her putting a confidence in her and rightly so yeah she's one of my favorite players i'm actually very very biased when it comes to ellen white but i think um think she showed last night that 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 trio together working in tandem could be so important i mean if we keep that pressure on against anyone is it is it a fair question to say against anyone if england have that press working at the front that they're going to cause them problems did we really lay down a marker and say that if we play this way throughout you know, beating Norway by eight is one thing, but we only need to win by one goal against the others to win the tournament. What did you think about it as a statement, Molly? Yeah, I think it was a statement. And, and just to give some some background to, to kind of listeners that won't have been privy to it, we did a, did a media session um, at the England team hotel in the week and Ellen was up for media. And one of the reporters, you know, fair enough, asked her about her form, what she thought about her form. You know, is she under pressure and... She kind of looked at him like he had two heads um, <laughs> and just, just was like, no. And I think I think it really showed. I think the, the Lionesses actually tweeted after she scored, we didn't doubt you for a second. And I think that really was the, the kind of mood in the Lionesses camp this week. I think, you know, just Ellen's experience and what she's done for this team over the years means that, you know, a player that had been in her position and... Maybe they would have been dropped, but Ellen's different, you know. It's it's like Harry Kane for England. It doesn't matter if if he doesn't score because of what he brings to the team, and and you know eventually he will score. And I think for me, in a night full of positives, I think Ellen getting off the mark, playing well, being you know back to her old self, in the long run for this tournament is 
right up there in terms of the, the best things about that match. And I think, yeah, that front three is, is incredible. We, we we talked about it last time, how Vigman likes her teams to, to have that real threat from the wings. And, uh, you know, in Beth Mead and Lauren Hemp, we have the two wingers that are probably up there in the tournament as two of the very best. So I think if you can get that front three firing, then yeah, you know, I, I said it last night. We talk about France, about Spain, about Germany, who obviously England could face in the quarterfinals. No one's going to want to want to play England right now. I don't know Ellen White personally, but having seen her celebrate and lead the celebrations last night, I get the impression that if England win this, she would scale the Wembley Arch and like <laughs> <laughs> parachute down into the middle of the pitch to do something crazy. And she's not like she that. She was going wild. <laughs> she's not like that at all. She like I, I did a. No, piece she's like, She's a woman possessed on the, you know, when, yeah. the, when the whistle calls. It's great to watch, though. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think her intensity is one of her best leadership skills, if you like, out on that pitch. Because you saw it in both boxes, actually. When we were defending a corner, you saw a close-up of her, and it was like she was the centre-back. You know, it was like she was telling everyone where to be and having, you know, that that vocal leadership as well. But actually, I think that just showed the intensity in her game. She was in it. She was all in. You know, it was a great performance from her. And I think she's, you know, they, they it's a weird thing to say maybe, but they're really feeling the tournament, you know, because they're at home. It's a sensory overload. I think in the first game, maybe it got to them a little bit in the second game, especially as you say, Casey, after that second goal, they sort of were allowed to enjoy themselves, but equally given the importance of the competition, like I say, they, they, they hit a level of a collective all-in, which actually I think it may click for them in terms of the rest of the tournament, what exactly is needed, you know, after that game, if they're going to go and beat, like I say, all, all the best sides left. It was interesting hearing Serena Wiegmann before the game saying that it was, she was asked if it was her best team and she said, right now, it's my best team. And I wondered if if the 8-0 masked anything at all about this England lineup, whether this 11 is England's best 11 and has the confidence to perform against anyone. Casey, is there any position out there? I know you're a big fan of Alex Green, which she came on. I, I also think it's almost harsh on Alessia Russo, <laughs> who's played well in both of her appearances, but you saw what Ellen did and you kind of thought, oh no, we're not going to see as much of Alessia Russo for the rest of this competition, possibly. And she's done absolutely nothing wrong. Is there any tweak that you would make to the England side? And I know they won 8-0 and it's a difficult question, but it's her best team right now, she says. Is there any disagreement with that? What a fantastic problem to have eh, as a head coach in terms of the depth that they've got. So, no, I, I, listen, you can't argue with her selection. It's, it's proved itself last night in terms of the balance and you know what's happening. The only one potentially is, is looking at and I said it again, I, the Millie Bryant, Leah Williamson switch in terms of left and right, but that's, they are obviously comfortable. They've kept clean sheets, so I can understand why she's not switching that. I think the balance of the team last night was really good defensively, such good positions behind the ball to stop transitions. And also offensively, the way they were so fluid in their performances. I do think she'll make changes for the next game because I think it would be smart too in terms of making sure that there's fresh legs going into the knockout stages. They've they've won the group. So, you know, I think the lesson from 2012 Olympics is we'd already qualified from the group and we played Kelly Smith in a game and she got injured and we lost her for the, the quarterfinals, which is a huge blow to us. So what you don't want to do is potentially lose anybody. You want to keep people fresh. You, you want to expose other people to minutes because as the tournament goes on, you're going to need even more impact coming off the bench to make changes. So if they're more played in, they'll be more ready. But I think this squad is in such a good place. But there's going to be obviously tougher tests to come. But I think we'll see more of those 
those squad players um, featuring against Northern Ireland in the next game. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Uh, Gregor, we can finally bring in some negativity. I come to the Scot for that, obviously. <laughs> um, Norway failed to win for the first time in seven matches. Of course, we expected so much more from them. They've now got a huge game against Austria, fighting for a place, the two of them head-to-head in the knockout stages. What went wrong, though? You know, you said it took too long for, for Norway to make a change. What went wrong from their perspective? It couldn't have all been about England because they were far short of what we expected. They actually started not not badly. For the first 10 minutes, they, they had a couple of exchanges down the left. I mean, to be fair, Blackstat was getting forward. Lucy Bronze dealt with her a couple of times that once she got in and got across and they started not too badly. Then the penalty came and then the second goal so quickly afterwards. And as, you know, as Casey was saying, you saw... England grow and at the same time in parallel you saw Norway absolutely crumble. Thoris Dottier had you know when she was robbed by Ellen White that just kind of that was game over and then they just kept they kept crumbling and again Ellen White just putting the pressure on everyone I think it was I think it was Mielda uh, she barged off the ball and laid it back to get the fourth there, there were a lot of errors there really but at the same time you've got to give great credit to to England for the way that they pressurised them, the way that they didn't allow them to play out at all. When they did, when they kind of missed out the midfield and they tried to go forward, as Casey was saying, England were there to mop it up and to, you know, to snap at the heels of Hegerberg or Graham Hansen. There were, in, were individual errors, but I would still lean towards giving England the credit for applying so much pressure and being so relentless that it kind of forced them into it. And you saw, I wrote in my piece that, you know, they, they, they convened in a little huddle after every goal was conceded. Mm. And they, you know, when they did it for the sixth time in the 41st minute, <laughs> you're just thinking they must be hoping that this ground is going to open up before them and swallow them because they were looking at each other and like, you know, the first couple of times Hegerberg was trying to rally the troops. By the sixth time, they're looking around each other like nobody knew what to do. They didn't know, they didn't have a clue. They just wanted half time to come. So it was one of those kind of absolute, shockers for them and uh, you know I would still kind of back them to to beat Austria but you know it's going to take a bit of getting over that I think it will how do you how do you pick yourself up Casey after a poor poor defeat like that and particularly from a coaching perspective because there's pressure on the coach now of course there is yeah absolutely and listen I'm not I was I was really disappointed in their defending but how much football has Marin Mielder played in the last 18 months and you've just put her at centre back against a really impressive front three you've got a young left back who's quite inexperienced and plays higher up normally for a club team so you know they got exposed and Maria Torres Dottier had a game she'll want to forget you know so as a coach you can't you probably have to put it to bed really quickly allow them 24 hours to feel the emotions that they'll feel they won't sleep they'll be not in a good space but then it's how you revitalize how do you give a game plan to them against Austria that they can believe in that they know they can execute it's about potentially showing them previous performances where they've done well so that you can put this to bed because the psychology of such a defeat um, especially for some of those players that are used to winning. Ada Hegerberg's not used to losing, especially like that. You know, Carolina Graham Hansen's not used to losing. She plays for a Barcelona team that's unbelievable. So they're not used to that. So that'll be a shock in the system. I think they need to have some really open and honest dialogue and conversations around what went wrong and why, how they can reset. If they go 2-0 down, why did they crumble? What was the, why did they not become more hard to be? How did they not get more pressure on the ball? How did they allow those spaces? You know, how could they have made be 
slowed the game down in that moment, got into their head coach so that he could have maybe changed things after 2-0 and had a different strategy rather than just continuing. And it just got worse and worse and worse to the point where you are looking around shell-shocked thinking, how do we get ourselves out of this? But he's got a big job over the next kind of 48 hours to lift those players, put them in a good space, make sure that they're physically, mentally and tactically prepared because ultimately they can get out of this group. So they've got something to play for. And I think it's focusing on that that's the big part for him. Yeah, going to be an interesting one. I'm sure we'll react uh, to that game between Norway and Austria. England play Northern Ireland next. We'll discuss their first two matches next on the Game Podcast. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, since we last spoke, Northern Ireland, who are England's next opponents exited the competition unfortunately they were beaten 2-0 by Austria and before that 4-1 by Norway just a couple of minutes I think we should spend talking about Northern Ireland Gregor just very quickly on how they played in their opening two games and what you think cost them possibly was it a golf in talent was it a golf in experience what do you think held them back they had two nails in the head they were both golf in talent and experience they had spells they had like little spells in the second half of both games that were really encouraging but ultimately as Kenny Shields admitted himself you know they were beaten by better teams and you know he, he took the opportunity to to throw on some young kind of talented players that they've got all big hopes for for the future and he's he's you know in his post-match he was uh, press conferences talking about putting the right structures in place to ensure that there's a kind of production line through the age groups for for Northern Ireland so that they can be you know have the aspirations to 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 reach this this tournament and major tournaments on a more regular basis so it was the, the, their achievement was getting here and there was always a kind of because that was such a, a miraculous achievement there was always a little bit of a dream that they might do something amazing again but ultimately reality hit them and it hit them pretty hard so they, you know they have nothing to be ashamed about whatsoever they, as I said they had periods in the games in both games 
where they, they they performed really well. And that moment where, where they scored the first goal, well, I'm sure we'll live with, with them and their, their fans for a long time as well. Yeah, who knows? They might beat England next. You never know. So it's not all over. It could be a massive, <laughs> massive result for them. Um, the discussion, though, when it comes to Northern Ireland, um, as you mentioned there, Gregor, it, it sort of moved on to how much of a learning curve, how much of a positive experience it could be for some of the players in Kenny Shields' squad. It was interesting because he was asked about whether getting to the tournament could lead to more success in the short term and I think we're talking about the same comments when he sort of delved quite deep he sort of said it's about getting players ready to play at this level and he was really talking about the youth setup and not just the players the young players coming into the the senior squad at the moment you know he was talking about players in their mid-teens really being the focus in terms of their future and almost he alluded to the fact that it might not be the next tournament or the tournament after that. You know, we might be talking, you know, six to eight years before we reap the rewards in terms of the senior squad, as long as we get the development blocks right. You know, I, I don't know what you think about it, Molly, whether there are players who can come into the Northern Ireland fold in the next two to four years who are going to be ready for this level. What do you think? Quite simply, you're always going to find it very, very hard to compete at this very high top, you know, world level when your players aren't full-time. Obviously, the players have, have been in a camp since January. But as I understand it, that was very much a short-term thing for this tournament. Some of them will go back home and go back to their jobs, which aren't football players. And I think not only is that obviously quite clearly stunting the progress and the full potential that those players have, because, you know, they've, they've, they've played very well considering all of that. I also think it's, it's difficult for those younger players going through because we talk so much about England that now there is that, that dream of having, you know, the professional women's super league and you can be a professional player and that can be your job and you can, you know, you can earn decent money doing it. They don't have that dream over there because even these top players, some of them aren't full-time footballers. And I think until it's all well and good kind of saying we need to build from the bottom, which I agree with, you can't just have the top that's fixed, but you always need the top to be fixed to kind of inspire everyone else. So I think there's a lot that needs to be done. And I think Kenny Shields, you know, regardless of some of the things that he said are a little bit wild, you know, he deserves that for what he's, what he's done for that country and the way they've performed. And ultimately, the players deserve that. And I think that is what will make a real difference. And ultimately, what does it always come down to? It comes down to finance. It comes down to infrastructure. And that's what they need now. Really, you couldn't have expected any more from Kenny and from the team in this tournament or building into this tournament. But now they need a bit more help if they're going to expect to be there regularly. We should maybe just add is that the Northern Ireland men's league isn't full time professional either. It's yeah, this is a small country with uh, you know they've also got clubs across the border that some, some sometimes players move between and the best are always poached by clubs across the channel. So it's a difficult situation for them. It is about I think he's right. It is about having you know the right structures in place to almost make Northern Ireland the team that these girls are playing for as they're growing up and being coached by. They've got to they've got to do it all. So it's going to be it's going to be a big task, but Kenny Shields certainly looks like he's up for it. I think it's this has come at the right point in his career, and he, he's he's very passionate about about improving the the women's game there. Casey, do you agree with with Kenny's outlook on things? Yeah, I think obviously 
it's I think Molly's hit the nail on the head. It's about resource. It's about funding. It's about infrastructure. Also, their talent pool will be a lot smaller. There'll be less girls playing there. So even this tournament being visible to their players in terms of the youngsters watching this tournament, they can see it now. I think that's really important. They haven't been at major tournaments before, young people. There'll be so many more girls picking up a football now and playing the game just because of this. So I think that that talent pool will increase off the back of this tournament. I think it's very difficult. Without finance and resource, it's really hard to move the game forward. And they don't have, like you say, if they don't even have a men's professional league, I think women's football is going to continue to to be on the back burner a little bit. I think he's got the right ideas. He's got the right passion, but you need backing um, to be able to do that. So there's a lot of work to be done there, but I think this tournament will create a lot more players playing the game, which will help. Yeah, fingers crossed for, for Northern Ireland's future. Of course, they play uh, England next, which I st- still think will be a great fixture for, for both sides. Of course, uh, two British teams going head to head in a major tournament. Before we go, there are a couple of games that we do need to discuss from the uh, opening group games, if you like. Two tournament heavyweights went head-to-head. It ended in a one-all draw. Gregor, what did we learn about the Netherlands and Sweden? Uh, I think we learned that they're two teams that are going to be very difficult to beat. I think Sweden in particular, they, they, you know, they're they on an upward trajectory. I think they were 12 games unbeaten before before this game, finished third at the World Cup, won silver at Tokyo, and they look very well organised. You know, I, th- I think I think Molly was was tipping them before the tournament, and you can see why they look like a a well organised team uh, with a bit of you know a sprinkling of quality as well. I loved Aslani's little nutmeg in the build up to their goal. There's some you know they've got some real talent as well. So yeah, I, and then you know Holland, I think uh, Miedema kind of dragged them dragged them back into it in the second half. There's some some brilliant moments of skill in the build up to their equaliser and another little uh, shift in the box that was just brilliant so uh, yeah I think they're two teams that are going to be difficult to beat and they have real quality up, up front as well so definitely contenders Molly Miedemar and player of the match she looked a lovely foil for her teammates as Gregor uh, pointed out did she play exactly as you expected her to yeah pretty much I think for me the 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 big blow for the Netherlands was Sari van Wienendahl, who who came off in, in that game with a shoulder injury and has now actually been ruled out of the entire tournament. And the player that, that came on, I don't even know too much about, if I'm being completely honest with you, but it, quite clearly there was a, a big drop-off. And, you know, it's the same for a lot of nations. You have... You have the the first choice keeper, and then there, you know, there, there's quite a drop off. And uh, I think the the young girl that that come on had not very many caps, and is now going to be a, a huge responsibility, a huge pressure, I suppose, to to be the goalkeeper for for one of those leading nations now for the rest of the tournament. So I think, you know, from England's point of view, that's certainly a bonus because you know we know we know a lot about Sari Vavindal. She she played in the Women's Super League with Arsenal. Um, so that's a huge blow for the Netherlands. I think I was surprised actually how well the Netherlands did. I think I maybe thought that Sweden would have that little bit more experience, that little bit more all-round team to kind of win that game. So I think maybe I'm not as worried about Sweden as I was when you look at the other free scoring teams that we've seen, you know, Germany, Spain, France. But then again, you know, they were playing playing the Netherlands who are who are a very good team. So I think... It's probably done both the Netherlands and Sweden 
quite a favour to play such a big game so early on and get a real test of where they are because you know that's that was supposed to be what what England had last night and it didn't quite out, quite work out that way did it so I think I think it will help them both in the long run. Is that how you preferred it, Casey, to to get one of the big teams early on and work yourself out against one of the best nations early in a tournament, or would you would you rather leave it to the final? Yeah, I think obviously in the group stages, if you can win your group and have a test, it's really helpful. Um, I think in regards to Sweden, they've changed their system as well. They're so notorious for a four four two, and they're now going to a three four three. So that's going to take a little bit of time in the tournament to really see how that plays out. But Sweden are a team that we've seen previously grow in tournaments as they go you know and they've they've obviously been done really well in, in recent Olympics and, and recent World Cups and so I don't think you can count them out but yeah I I think Germany have shown they're a powerhouse already France have been great Spain you know it'd be interesting to see you know how how they come out of their groups and what happens there but yeah, you want to test in your group you don't want too big a test you know you want to make sure that you can continue to grow and build momentum well until last night um, France's 5-1 demolition of Italy looked to be the big statement of the group stages didn't it kind of been put to bed by England a little bit Grace Gioro became the first ever player to score a hat-trick in the first half of a women's Euro match. And it made everyone sit up and take notice. Molly, this idea of a divided French side, that seems to have been thrown out the window, basically. Yes, and I think it was more the fact that they were playing Italy, who aren't a bad side themselves. I think that's what made that all the more impressive. I think that, again, a little little bit like Norway last night, I think there was some real question marks about the Italian defending. But I think... That was exactly what France needed, I suppose. I think if they'd have started this tournament and they hadn't been very convincing, that's where those kind of splinters could have turned into cracks very, very soon. So I think they'll... And there there must be a sense in that squad to... You know, everyone's... They must be aware of, you know, the divide... There must be a bit of us against them. There must be a bit of, you know, we can we can really prove people wrong here. They They must look around the dressing room and see the talent that's in there and see what they can do when they're all firing. And, you know, they, they showed that in that opening game. And like I say, last night kind of changes the complexion a little bit, doesn't it, It Gregor? Um, you know, I was there saying like, wow, France are going to shock everyone in this tournament. Obviously, they're a good side, but they could be the side that, that comes from a little bit of obscurity to take on the big nations. Then we see England lay down a marker and you think, OK, maybe it's going to be harder than I was, I was reckoning. What do you think France can do from here to build on that first game? Just watching that game, you're usually impressed by their front three. Diani, the box of tricks. Cascar- Delphine Cascarino was, was rapid and she cut inside and it was a great strike for her goal and Katoto is just a brilliant penalty box striker so we're, we're talking a lot about front threes and their kind of the qualities they possess it's just that's why I you know, just, just referring back to England for a moment that's why the thing that really kind of augurs well for me with them is, is the work they do off the ball has just seemed a different level to anything else I've really seen in the tournament so far which makes England so hard to play against but France have got some real talent and you know we knew that and look we're one game in it's still I wouldn't I wouldn't, I wouldn't write off the kind of an implosion yet but we'll see what happens yeah we'll see uh, Casey France how how can they build on on that result because like I say it looked like lots of things went very very well if not perfectly but they do need to build I think from, from here on out what would you what advice could you give to that French team 
to either keep this going or build on it? They have to keep being ruthless, you know, in terms of their goal scoring. They've got threats from different areas as well. You know, the fact that we're talking about their front three and it was actually a midfielder that got the hat trick. You know, and I think down that left-hand side, the partnership of Cascarino and Kashui, the way they can play and overlap and, and cause problems and overload wide areas. And... We have to not forget, like, they got Wendy Renard. She's arguably one of the best centre-backs in the world and has been for, you know, some time. And I think with her, she she plays at such a, a pace that makes it look so easy. You know, I think they're, they're defensively very strong. They've got real strength in midfield areas. I would worry a little bit about their midfield mobility against really good teams, so that'll be interesting. But, you know, I think the fact that they can play in front of you, play behind you and cause overloads wide. They just need to keep being relentless. You know, they've got so much talent in that team. They should be going into every game with an expectation to win. Um, you know, and I think they've put to bed the the arguments that they're imploding inside with that performance against Italy. Yeah, I think we're going to look, by the time we next speak, we're going to have loads to discuss. The group stage will just about be concluded and we will have, I think, an answer to loads of our questions over these teams, especially in their second and third matches still to come. Uh, Casey, Molly, Gregor, thank you for being with me uh, for the last sort of 50 minutes or so. And thank you all for listening. Remember, there is loads of great content from the Women's Euros you can check out right now on the Times app or, of course, in the newspaper. But if you want to subscribe to the podcast, make sure you do it. Hit that subscribe button and also check it out. It's thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game if you want to do so online. More to come. We'll be back with you on Monday. Enjoy your weekends. We'll see you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.